morning. I couldn't ask for a better song. Did you plan that? You did. Miss Sylvia, thank you. Mr. Gary, thank you. I got the pleasure of meeting them at Kiwanis, uh, like Mr. Gary said, maybe a month ago or so. And um, I was uh, impressed with the Kiwanis Bunch. I'd never been to a civic club before. And I was impressed by how Jesus-focused they were. That song, wow. I love the verse you read in the beginning there. Come, enter into the kingdom that is prepared for you. I was hungry, you fed me. I was sick and in prison, you came and visited me. I was naked, you clothed me. And their response was, Lord, when did we do any of those things? When did we see you in any of those things? Don't let it pass you by just how personal the Lord takes it when you minister to his people. Remember when Paul was persecuting the church and Jesus appears and knocks him off his horse and he says, Saul, Saul, it is I whom you are persecuting. I'm sure Saul could have went, what do you mean? I'm not persecuting you, I'm persecuting these people. And he says, those are my people. And as you do unto them, you do unto me. Powerful lesson there of how personal Jesus takes it when we love his people because he loves his people. My name is Brian Scoggin. I haven't always worked for a foster care agency, but I do now. It's called Families for Families. We're a private placement agency. We exist all throughout the state, but we actually have an office here in Griffin of all places. We have about 21 children that our office serves right here in our community of foster children. We place kids for defects. There's about 13,000 kids in defects care. Every night, about 400 of them will spend the night with um, their caseworker in a hotel because there just aren't enough families to take care of them. But take heart. This is not something that the Lord has called us to and not equipped us to do. There are 13,000 orphaned children in our state needing care from godly, loving parents. There are 25,000 churches in our state. So if every other church just had one little foster kid running around and the whole church banded together to make sure that family was supported while they loved that kid, it'd be a pretty easy thing for the church to do. So I thank you for the song. Thank you for preparing it. I'm so glad to be here. Like I said, I wasn't always uh, a foster care guy. As a matter of fact, I haven't always typically been a kid guy, right? I'm not the guy who's always wanted to hang out in a room full of kids. Anybody with me? Right? I mean, I love them. They're precious, and we should do everything we can to take care of them. But I kind of like being alone, doing grown-up things. Does that make sense? Probably a lot of you like me in here in this room. But I tell you, one of the greatest joys of my life has been being around some of these children who you think you might not want to be around, but then you find out they're wonderful, beautiful children. I think about Matthew chapter 18 when the Lord overheard his disciples behind him, these men who were nothing in their time, uh, regarded as very little, um, either fishermen or even a tax collector, which we have a very good one in the room this morning. But um, this guy wasn't the best tax collector. These guys weren't liked very much at all. And all of a sudden, they were the hottest ticket in Judea. They were walking around with the miracle man, Jesus, who raised the dead, healed the sick, opened the eyes of the blind. And they're arguing behind the Lord, and they're saying things like, now listen, this thing is really taking off here. Now, we know who the boss is, but I mean, of us, who's going to be the greatest? 
Who's going to be the point man? I mean, who's going to be the guy that, that, that's got Jesus' back? Who's going to be the manager here, the overseer of all us? And he hears them. And what's Jesus do? He turns to his grown men disciples and he pulls to him a child. And he says, I want you to learn something about following me. Unless you turn and become like children, you'll never go to where I'm going. You'll never enter the kingdom. Jesus is using a child to teach us the greatest lessons about just how dependent upon him we really are. About just how high and lifted up and powerful and good that we must see him so that we totally trust him with everything. Even when we have a lot of money in the bank, even when our health is good, we still must, like children, depend upon the Lord to give us what only he can. The Lord uses children like that in my life. I wasn't always a foster care guy, though. I was a drummer in a band. Does anybody know me from my former life as a musician? Good. <laughs> no. Um, one of the most awkward things that has happened to me in the past was someone who did know me for my musical affiliations would bring someone who didn't and obviously didn't care, and they would build me up really big to this person in an introduction. They'd go, do you know who this guy is? And I'd be standing there just waiting to be let down. And they'd say, this guy is the drummer for Casting Crowns. And the person would go, okay. <laughs> you could tell they had no idea who Casting Crowns was. And this happened many times. But that was my former life and profession. And honestly, that was my dream. I had a dream to be on stages and to make much of myself and to... You know, not to say that you can't be on stage and not make much of yourself, but I'll be honest with you, I just wanted to be somebody. And I can remember my 10-year-old son at the time. I walk in his room. This was about three years ago. And he's hanging out in his room playing video games, and he stops and he says, Dad, I, I want a little sister. And I, my mind got to turning, and I thought I need to figure out the best way to break it to him. Um, and I said something like, Son, me and your mom are... We're just surgically insured against any more kids. And he didn't get it. He said, well, I want a sister with uh, Afro puffs. And so I said, okay, I'm following you, son. You want us to adopt a little girl? He said, yeah, I want a little sister. I want, I want you to adopt her. And I thought, uh, let me break this to him. Son, you're getting older now, and me and your mom can leave you at home by yourself. We liked that. We like to go out to the store together or go maybe grab a quick bite to eat. And you and your brother, who's older than him, y'all can kind of hang out by yourself. We're really not planning to start over to have little ones in the house. I'm really sorry to let you know, but that's not on our radar, bud. And so it wasn't long after that I found myself out on the road, out on a tour with the band. And if you're on tour, it's not what you think. You spend a lot of time in cold, concrete uh, arenas and places where you don't have your own couch to sit on and your own TV to watch or your own car to hop in and drive. You're just kind of there all day, right? Sound glamorous? Anybody want to sign up? No. And so it was one of those days, and I had taken this um, place in life where I was, the Lord was really dealing with me. He was dealing me, with me about um, how much of somebody I wanted to become rather than wanting to become just his. And so I found myself reading my Bible a lot. And I would spend 
many hours just reading my Bible, and it was different than it ever had been. I wasn't reading my Bible slanting it towards how can I be better or how can I be great or how can God bless me. I was reading my Bible going, I want to know who you are, God, because I want to love you and I want to give you what you require, which is all of me. I want you to have my heart. And so I remember reading the Bible, and I came across a verse, and I, I believe it was this verse, James 1.27. This is the brother of the Lord. He's writing to his church, and he's saying, listen, your faith, which is what saves you, it's dead if there's no works that accompany it. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be also doers of the word. And then he goes into this. He says, pure and undefiled religion before the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And I remember hearing those words, and in the place that I was at that morning, and I remember my son's conversation with me, and I felt like I heard the Lord say, Brian, you sure have been blessed. I mean, you're still young, you're in your 30s, you have resources, you have time, you have a healthy family. You sure are blessed. Why are you so selfish with all those blessings? That's what the Lord spoke to me in some cold gray back room of an arena somewhere. I don't even remember the state. And I wrestled with that. And by the way, it's good to wrestle with things that God tells you. It's good to read the scriptures and have no idea what it's supposed to mean, but know that it's supposed to mean something for you and just wrestle with it. Kind of like Jacob just wrestled, you know. He left with a limp, but man, what a blessing, right? He had been with God and everybody knew it for the rest of his life. Wrestle with the Lord in the scriptures. And so I was wrestling with the Lord and I was going, I hear you, Lord, but that sure does mess up my plans. And then the Lord said, but you just need to know that I have better plans for you than you could ever imagine. And so my response is what our response should always be when the Lord speaks. My response in that moment was, yes. I have no idea what I'm saying yes to. I don't know where to start. I don't know what this looks like. But the answer is yes. And so as I walked from that back dressing room area down the hall up to the side of the stage, I grabbed my phone. And right before I would lay my phone down on the table every night, I'd send my wife a text. And this text said this, what are we going to name our daughter? And laid the phone down and left for an hour. And so when I got back from playing drums, I had a lot of messages from my wife <laughs> with a lot of question marks at the end of them. She had no idea what was going on. And you know what? I didn't either. I didn't either. But one of the most wonderful things in the world is to realize that you have a good father who will never harm you and never lead you into danger, but will only lead you into wonderful, wonderful things. We ended up becoming foster parents. We, didn't, we knew it wasn't for us to just go out and try to find a baby to adopt because that's not really what we felt like was the need. The need was this. There are kids who need help now, who need a place to stay now, who need a Christian mother and father now who will love them and show them what Jesus looks like and share God's word with them. And that's what we were willing to do, so we made ourselves available. And that's really what foster care is. You make yourself available to do this kind of work. Families for families, we only work through churches. We like to meet pastors or church leaders. We like to build a relationship with them. We like to meet the congregation. We only work through the church. We believe that orphaned children, neglected children, not only need physical and emotional 
help, but they need spiritual help. To feed a kid, to love a kid, and that kid die and end up in a place called hell is a greater tragedy than anything. So we want Christian mothers and fathers to make disciples of these children. So that's why we only work with Christian people. You say this, why does God even want his people to be involved in orphan care? Why would he say things like, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me? Well, by the way, backing up to that James verse, he said, pure and undefiled religion is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Know this, these things don't save you. Your works don't save you. I think we all know that. This religion of ours is not what's saving us. This religion of ours is what begins to grow in our life as we are being saved. We change. We become more like our perfect heavenly father who loves us, who sent his only son to save us. We begin to transform and to have a heart like his. This is what happens to us as we are being saved. But these things do not save us. So I thought about a message that Jesus gave his disciples. Why would the Father want us to be people who care for vulnerable people, who don't step on them on our way to higher heights in life, but take the time to stop and care for them, like the Samaritan on the side of the road, or the, the Jewish person where the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, helped him? Why does God want these things from us? I found it in a parable that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew chapter 18. You're going to recognize it. This is the parable of a master who had forgiven one of his servants 10,000 talents worth of a debt. Remember, he was going to throw him in prison until it was all paid up. He was actually going to take his wife and his children and sell them and try to recover some of this debt. This was a crazy big debt. It was a massive debt. You say, hang on a second, 10,000 talents, is that like 10,000 bucks? It's not. You don't really understand the gravity of this man's debt until you understand what a talent really was. A talent was not a dollar. A talent was not even close to a dollar. A talent equaled to 20 years wages for a normal common laborer. If you were a normal common laborer, you would make one denarii a day. And after 20 years of working, you would have earned a talent. This man owed 10,000 talents. He had a serious debt problem, wouldn't you say? I mean, I don't know how you let a man get into that kind of debt. But somehow he did. The Lord said, this man owed 10,000 talents. In other words, this was an impossible debt. He owed a debt that he could not pay. And his master saw his earnestness, saw his pleading, and he said, you know what? I know the situation you're in, and I have a compassionate heart. I'm graceful and I'm merciful, so I tell you what. I'm not going to lack whether I collect or not. I'm going to forgive your debt. You don't owe me a thing. Go out and be free. The man goes out with his freedom. And debt-free. How many of you say, I'd like to be debt-free? <laughs> this man was debt-free. How many of you think being debt-free is going to change who I am? It's not. Trust me. We can learn from this man. 
He goes out and he finds a man who owes him a hundred days worth of work, a hundred denarii, and it says he begins to choke him and says, pay me what you owe. Enough's enough. I'm coming to collect. Well, word got back to his master, and his master was greatly offended. Why? Because this master had given everything to this servant, and it didn't seem to sink in or cause any change at all. He was still selfish. He was still angry. And so, we all know the end of the story. The, the, the master calls him in and says, you didn't receive anything from me. I took a debt away, but I really wanted to give you something greater than debt-freeness. I wanted to give you joy, peace, gratitude. I wanted to give you the energy to be like me and continue on my legacy of mercy and grace. But you didn't receive any of that. So, you're going to prison until you pay back everything you owe me. You say, how does the Lord see us? He sees a people who are orphaned, destitute, wretched, completely depraved. And he sent his own son to ransom us, to make us free, to give us hope, to let us rejoice in him. Don't you think he intends for us to be those same kind of people? He does. That's why the Lord wants us to be involved in this kind of work. Just here in Spalding County, there's about 150 kids in foster care. That's more people than in this room. If we filled this room up with all the kids who don't have a mother and father just in our community to care for them, it would be an overwhelming sight. We'd think, wow, this room is packed with kids who don't have the basic things of a mother and father who are stable enough and willing to provide for their basic needs. You know, all the state requires for food is just one meal a day for a child. Many of these kids are not in foster care because they go to public school and they get the one meal a day and that's enough, right? The Lord is definitely calling his people to this. Look throughout scripture. It's not just a New Testament concept. Psalm 68, 5 says this, I'll be a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. That's who I am in my holy dwelling. I love how God talks about a father to the fatherless because so many times in our culture, we as men kind of defer to the women to be the ones who have compassionate hearts on children and to take care of children. But God doesn't set that precedence at all. God says, I called men to be men. I called men to be defenders of families and I want men involved and I want them to be on the front lines of being just like me in the world. They need to see it from the men that I created to lead in this world. So men, it's an encouragement and a call to lead the charge of this kind of compassionate, grace-giving life, the same one that we've received ourselves from our Heavenly Father. Psalm 10, 17 through 18, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them, and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed. Heaven forbid that God is in heaven hearing the cry hearing the plea of those who are oppressed, fatherless, yet we don't. Yet we don't respond. Yet when he whispers things to us like he whispered me in that cold dressing room, you sure are blessed. Why are you so selfish with it? Our response isn't, okay, Lord, I hear you. What shall I do? 
That's why the Lord wants us to be involved because it's exactly what he's done for us. It's a wonderful, beautiful display of the gospel. It's witnessing without saying a single word for people to see the poor, the vulnerable, the broken child showing up to this congregation's children's ministry and receiving teaching from the word and love from the saints. How does being involved in this kind of ministry then strengthen your faith? How does it strengthen the church? I'll tell you, I, was, um, I had some kids in my house. One of the little guys was named Jason. And he was about seven years old. And he was hyper fixated on the Power Rangers. Anybody ever heard of them? The Power Rangers. Jason would stare, because his, his foster mom didn't let him watch the Power Rangers. And we were just keeping him and his brother for about nine days. And so he would, I would let him watch the Power Rangers because I'm a cool foster dad, right? And so he'd stare at the TV in front of the Power Rangers. And he just, I understood why his foster parents didn't because he didn't want to leave the TV ever. And I remember having a plan. I was going to take him and his brother up to uh, uh, Noah's Ark, you know, the place with all the animals and locust grow. We were going to have a day out, just having a good time. And I tried to get the kids ready, me and my wife, and... All he's doing is wanting to be at the TV. And I'm standing back, and I'm looking at him from behind. And I'm thinking, if you only knew all the wonderful plans that I have for today that involve you, that would open up your mind and your horizons to everything out there in the world that is great and beautiful and wonderful, that would cause you to be curious, that would satisfy so much in you. If you only knew what I have planned for you, but you won't stop fixating on that silly thing that doesn't matter at all. And once again, the Lord whispered to me while I stood in my kitchen, that's you. Does it make sense? The Lord taught me through a foster child. A lesson that I would have never learned and a perspective that I would never had if I would have just been, wouldn't have ever been obedient to not know what I was doing, but to just follow the Lord and let him lead into what we were supposed to do. We learn a great deal about God and his fatherhood through caring for orphan children. Listen, these are God's terms. Father. God, being God, could have chosen any terms at all. How would you have liked this one? I'll be distant intergalactic dictator to you. Well, that would have been nice. I'll redeem you. But, I, but keep your distance. Don't bother me. Maybe that's how a lot of us live our Christian life now. Thinking that he is happy to save us, but doesn't want to be bothered anymore with children. God's terms are not distant dictator. They're simple. They're knowable. They're father. These are God's terms to us, and he wants us to come close. He wants us to learn about how he loves us as we... Enjoy being a father, even to the fatherless. Knowing what it's like to take someone and of no merit of their own say, you're mine, I'm going to care for you, I'm going to make sure you have a hope in the future because you didn't do anything, I'm doing everything. And everything I have is yours. You don't deserve it, but I want to give it to you. This is the relationship. These are the terms that our good father has for us. 
And caring for these children has done nothing but open up my eyes to help me see it clearer, which most definitely results in peace and joy and love and worship to our Father. It's like what Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. As we, as Christians, just simply obey the word of the Lord. If we just do what it says, not necessarily knowing what it's going to do, but we know it's calling us to do it. When we do it from a heart of love for the Savior, because Jesus said this, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I read that backwards for so long. I thought that is a challenge for me to show that I love God by all these things I can manage to do. It doesn't say that at all. It says, first and foremost, get to know me, understand me, fall in love with me, and then watch what you'll do for me. It's kind of like how you do your own children, isn't it? You just love them when they just don't deserve it. You do for them when they just don't deserve it. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will, no matter what. So when we begin to just obey the Lord's commands, because we don't know where they're going to get us, we just know they're the Lord's commands, and we step into it, things like caring for orphans, he said, you will produce much fruit. I've seen so many things change for the good through our simple yes to God and making ourselves available. We had people in our family who couldn't bear the thought of us having a child from a different race in our home. They weren't bad people. They just a little ignorant, I think. Until we just obeyed the Lord and did it. And we saw that person change. I didn't argue with them. I didn't give them a book. I didn't cut them off. I just obeyed the Lord. And I saw that person toting around a little African-American girl and loved her from the moment he saw her. These are the kind of changes I've seen. This is the kind of fruit I've seen. This is the kind of fruit that God intends to bring as we obey his word. It's fruit that we would never have thought we needed to grow. It's fruit we would have never expected to grow. But nonetheless, it's fruit that nourishes us and brings us life. So the health of a church, evangelism, discipleship. How about growing in evangelism and discipleship through the least of these type of people. To bringing them into your congregation, letting them hear the word of the Lord, letting them experience the love of the church, seeing them come to Christ and teaching them how to live as Christ. I have a, I have a feeling that's what God had in mind all along. I'm so glad that God loved the whole world, that he sent his only son, so that ever, whoever would believe on him would not perish but have eternal life. It's not just for the Jew anymore, it's for the whole world. It's for me, it's for you, and it's for them. So I, I, I pray this morning that you're encouraged. You're encouraged by God's word. I pray you're even encouraged by my example. I'm here in the community. I'm here to help. I'm here to help you get involved if it's something you feel the Lord leading you to do. I'm not here to talk you into it. I'm going to let the Lord do that. But you don't, not everybody is at a place where they can take a child into their home. Totally understand that. But as Christians, we're all in a place to have a heart to make sure that the orphans in our community 
are cared for. If there's one person in this church that says, I think I am being called to do this, that the rest of this congregation would come around them in love and in support. That's what the church is for. If you had to be a Christian all by yourself, you may not be a Christian. But what a blessed fellowship. What a peace. What a joy having brothers and sisters. Especially in times of persecution, when it's dangerous to be a Christian, to have those who encourage you, spur you on, that you know have experienced the same love and the same salvation that you have. It's the same for obeying his commands. If I'm going to do foster care, I'm going to need people around me to help me because I'm going to get tired. I'm going to need a break. I'm going to need a weekend off. So we have all kinds of opportunities. You can be a foster parent. You can be a respite parent. You can be a babysitter. You can be someone who does what I do sometimes, who gets a text on Saturday night that just says, hey, and because of who that text is from, I know I'm driving somewhere to pick up a child. Two Saturdays ago, I got a text that said, hey, at about 5 o'clock on Saturday night, and me and my wife drove to Scottish Rite, picked up a 13-month-old little baby boy who had ingested meth in his parents' home, and he came into the hospital unresponsive. Now that young child is out of danger. He lives in Jackson with one of our Christian foster families, and he's safe. And we pray that his mother and his father, whoever they are and wherever they are, are getting the help they need. And we pray that somehow, some way, we can also share the love of Christ with them. That's what we do. It's very simple, just like the gospel. It's simple. So I encourage you today, I leave you with the, these words. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to turn it over now to Mr. Gary. God bless. Thank you.